Welcome to everybody here in Mesa, our Ahwatukee campus. Good morning. Or maybe you're joining us online today. We're so grateful that you are here. And I want to say from my heart straight to yours, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's. Come on, let's give it up for our moms. That's better. They deserve a big shout. Thank you to all of the moms who call Generation Church home. Thank you for building a strong foundation of faith for your children. Thank you for making it a priority and a commitment to bring your kids to church every single Sunday. Thank you for loving Jesus and serving him, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. You make an incredible difference and impact, and we're grateful for you. So again... Thank you, moms. Happy Mother's Day. We love you. This is my second Mother's Day. It's my second Mother's Day. Our daughter, Lila, is 16 months old. I mean, come on, seriously, isn't she adorable? This is her just a few weeks ago walking into church on Sunday mornings, and I just wanted to take one second to say thank you to all of the people who work in Little G's, who serve faithfully in Little G's. If you have a child in Little G's, we need to be grateful for those women. They faithfully serve and show and teach the love of Jesus week in and week out. We have the best nursery ministry in the entire state of Arizona. And I'm so grateful for them. But this is Lila. She's adorable. I just wanted to show you a picture of her today because it's Mother's Day and I can't. So there you go. Your day is now officially better. But my life has changed a lot in the last 16 months since becoming a mom. It's changed a lot. Moms, can I get an amen? You know. I used to, like, sleep. That used to be a thing that I did on a regular basis like every day. Now you never know, it could be like she sleeps all night or she, last night she woke up like four times, so there's that. Um, I used to be able to put liquid eyeliner on at any point during the day, but I can't do that anymore because she wants to wear it. And so if I'm putting it on, then she's grabbing my hand and it just turns into a hot mess. So I can only put liquid eyeliner on if she is taking a nap or not at home. Pastor Ryan and I used to be able to leave at any moment of the day to go get ice cream. Whether it was 11 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock at night, we would just get in the car and go. I mean, when you want ice cream, you just need it, right? Now he just goes without me. (laughs) But my life has drastically changed over the last 16 months, and I have learned a lot. Through all of the changes, I have learned a lot. I have learned that you can be incredibly happy for bedtime. It's real in my soul. Thank the Lord for bedtime. I've learned that there's no such thing as the laundry's done. That's a fantasy that doesn't exist. I've also learned that a blowout isn't just for hair. (laughs) Who knew? But through all the funny things that I've learned and discovered, I've also learned and been reminded of several biblical truths. 
And if you let him, God will use every single season of your life to teach you more about him and to help you become more like him. And our church today is full of all different kinds of people in different seasons of life. Maybe you're in the room today and you're a single mom. Can we give it up for our heroes? You're a single mom. Maybe you're a young mom and it's just your goal every day to take a shower or to go by, to the bathroom by yourself. I mean, these are real things young moms struggle with, right? Maybe you're older and you have grandkids. Maybe you're married, but you don't have kids yet. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're walking through an infertility journey. Maybe you're a man and you haven't related to any of my jokes in the last five minutes. But no matter who you are or what season of life you're in, I think that the truths that I've learned over the last 16 months will encourage you and they'll bless you, they'll strengthen your faith. And so today, we're going to talk about five lessons, five lessons I've learned since becoming a mom. Are you ready today? Are you sure? Okay. Number one, the first lesson I've learned is your words are powerful. Your words are powerful. I mean, we've all been there, right? Especially moms. You're having a good day, but then all of a sudden, something happens. Maybe you're upset, you're frustrated, you're tired, and the ugly words, they just start flowing out of you. And most of the time, When this happens and the ugly words just start coming out, they're usually directed at the people we love the most, like our spouse, our kids. They just start pouring out. And you might feel better in the moment when those ugly words come out. It might make you feel justified in the moment, but it always results in the same outcome. Either your ugly words escalate the situation And all of a sudden, there's a screaming match going on in your house. Or maybe those words are carefully crafted. And you use your words to strike the person that you love the most, where you know it's going to hurt. And those words, as they're coming out of your mouth, you can just see the pain on the other person's face. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. So friends, your words are powerful. Your words mean a lot. They can change the atmosphere of your home for the good or for the bad. You can speak death or you can speak life. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers So really think about this this morning. Are your words full of hope? Are they full of life? Are they full of forgiveness? Or are they full of the opposite? Bitterness, condemnation, hostility. Are you deflecting anger or are you making tempers flare? Words are powerful because of the way that they affect other people. But words also matter because they really reflect what's in your heart. 
Luke 6, 45b says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Jesus said that. What you say flows from what is in your heart. When Jesus changes your life, he changes your heart, which should result in a change in your words. So instead of speaking words that cut down, the love of Jesus overflows from your heart and it impacts everyone around you. So if you're constantly speaking words that are hurtful, it's time to examine your heart. Maybe you find yourself thinking, well, I'm just sassy. I'm just a little sassy. Maybe you're just critical. Or maybe you're the person that goes, well, I just tell it like it is. Maybe you have anger in your heart. If this is you, if you have hurtful words constantly coming out of your mouth, it's time to examine your heart. But don't ask God to fix your words. Ask him to heal you on the inside. The second life lesson that I've learned is not every decision is a life or death decision, okay? Now, I think this is something that us girls really struggle with. We put so much pressure on ourselves to make the right decision all of the time. Before Lila was born, I went into deep research mode. I spent hours and hours and hours researching all of the baby gear. I wanted to have the best of the best. I thought my little baby girl deserved it, and I was going to make the right decision about everything. So I spent hours researching and reading, and I had selected the best bottle. (laughs) I was confident in my choice, and I knew that it was the best one out there. We brought little sweet baby Lila home. It was her first night at home and it was time to go feed her, she hated it. She would have nothing to do with that bottle. I went into straight panic mode and I was like, somebody go to Target. This bottle is the worst. I learned in that moment that the kind of bottle that Lila was using as a newborn did not really matter for eternity. It did not really matter, but our culture today wants you to believe that you can write decision yourself into a perfect life. If you eat all the right food, if you only use the right kind of plastic, and you read 53 blogs about whatever you're trying to make a decision about, then you'll be healthy and happy and successful. Can I tell you today that this is simply not true? It's not true. And obsessing over every decision, it comes from wanting control. We want to control everything around us. Now, this is for the ladies here with us today. Did you know that our desire for control, it really goes back to the Garden of Eden, to the very beginning Eve did what she thought would make her happy instead of submitting to God's commands. And part of the curse of sin is that women would always struggle with trying to control things that we are not supposed to control. Genesis 3.16, 
and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Ever since then, ever since the very beginning, girls have struggled with the desire to control things. We cannot control because we think that if we can control the outcome, we can guarantee our own happiness. You will not find happiness in control because you can't control everything. It's impossible. And you wouldn't be happy even if you could. Listen, I'm not trying to say that you should not use wisdom to make choices for your family, okay? But I want you to hear this this morning. Perfect decision-making still will not protect you from the problems of life. You need to let go of the worrying. Let go of the pressure to make the perfect decision and spend your energy on the decisions that really matter. Do your best and trust God with the rest. That's all he asks of us. Proverbs 2, 6 For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. God has amazing plans for your life. He has amazing plans for your children's life. And sometimes we need wisdom for the big life decisions, right? And sometimes we need the wisdom to recognize that some things just are not worth stressing over. So just... Let it go. The third life lesson that I've learned is that God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect, but we are so bad at waiting. We're the worst at it, right? Guys and girls, we hate to wait. I mean, I get frustrated if the Starbucks line takes more than five minutes. I've got things to do. We're terrible at waiting, and we often think of waiting as a negative. We want what we want, and we want it right now. And we think, if I have to wait, I'm missing out. We think, if I have to wait, I'm wasting time. Or maybe you think, if I have to wait, I'm just not going to be happy. But the Bible paints a very different picture of waiting. God allowed Abraham and Sarah to wait a very long time to have children. God allowed David to wait a really long time before he became king. And what about this one? God allowed the Israelites to wait a very long time for the Messiah. They waited a really long time for Jesus. We tend to think of waiting as punishment But friends, sometimes it's just a part of God's plan. It's just a part of God's plan. And God's timing is perfect. And if he's letting us wait for something, it's for a good reason. It's for a good reason. And we can trust him because God is only good. He's only good. Psalm 27 says, I am certain we can be certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. We waited for Lila for 
eight years. Eight years. And it was a long journey that really was not in my life plan. But I can honestly say from the bottom of my heart that I would not change one thing about waiting for her. Not one thing. If I went back and changed one thing, we wouldn't have Lila. And she is the greatest, best gift that God could have ever given us. We know that we're going to have to wait in life. So what do you do while you wait? What do you do while you're waiting for God's promises? First, I want to encourage you to enjoy the season of life that you're in. Did you know that you can be going through a season of waiting and be joyful at the same time? If you're constantly looking to the next season to be happy, you're never going to be happy. We can't just always look to the future and say, oh, well, when that happens, then I'll be happy. We cannot be content just when our world looks exactly how we want it to look. It's just not reality. Pastor Ryan and I had an amazing eight years while we were waiting for Lila. We were able to go get ice cream whenever we wanted. <laughs> but we enjoyed each other. We were able to build a strong foundation for our marriage. We were able to lead this church with everything that we had for eight years. It was beautiful. I wouldn't change anything about it. Second, while you're waiting, why don't you just go ahead and worship the Lord? Worship while you wait. When you're waiting for God to move, when you're waiting for God to answer your prayer, it can be so easy to get distracted and to be consumed with what you're waiting for. But in those moments, you have to shift your focus. In those moments when you're struggling with waiting, just worship. Hold on to the promises of God because God's goodness is not dependent on you getting what you want. So you can always turn to him because he's always good and he always deserves your worship. So worship while you wait. Third, while you're waiting, don't compare your situation to others. Listen, God has a plan for your life. And it's not the same as the person sitting next to you or the 100 girls you follow on Instagram. Okay? God has a plan for your life. And most of the struggle of waiting comes from comparing your life to people who have what you're waiting for. You're single and you want a husband? Somebody else in this room is just wishing they had the freedom they used to have before they got married. If you compare, you will always find something you're missing. It will never end. So choose to focus on what you do have and be thankful for that. What are you waiting for? I would guess we're all waiting for something. Whatever it is, enjoy the moment. Don't compare and worship God no matter what. The fourth lesson that I've learned over the last 16 months is you can change your attitude by changing your perspective. Perspective. 
my sweet, amazing husband. He's the best. And he is so good at so many things. Aren't you so blessed by your pastor? He's so amazing. Putting his shoes away is not something he's great at. (laughs) And I like to keep an orderly, organized, everything has a place home. And he likes to leave his shoes all over the place. Like how one person can wear four different pairs of shoes in one day is just like beyond me. But a couple months ago, I was walking through our house, and on the floor in the living room was Lila's cute little pink leopard sneakers. And I saw them on the floor, and I looked at them, and I thought, you know what? I am just so grateful for little pink baby sneakers on my floor. And in the moment, I was so proud of myself. I picked those up, and I thought in my head, I'm so mature. I have got this all together. And I picked up her shoes and I was walking back to her room to put them away. And the Holy Spirit whispered to my soul, aren't you grateful for your husband too? And I was like, oh man. I thought I was doing something good. But God showed me that it was the same situation, shoes on the floor. But I had two different perspectives about the situation. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances. See that word, all, all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We can only do this if we choose to have the right perspective. We can only be thankful in all situations if we choose to have the right perspective. Now, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking, okay? Because positive thinking without God's promises is not going to get you very far. It's God's promises that we hold on to. But I know that it is really hard to be thankful and positive in your perspective when everything in front of you is a hot mess. It's difficult to be grateful when life is not going the way that you want. It's hard to see everything with a grateful heart when you're waiting. Or it's hard to see everything in a positive light when your kids are driving you crazy. But we know the promise of Romans 8.28. It says and we know that God causes everything Say that with me. Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. There's a lot of everythings that we have to deal with in this life, right? We have to deal with disappointment. We have to deal with disease. We have to deal sometimes with divorce. We have to deal with really heavy things like death. But when life is hard, you have to choose your perspective. You can focus on the long list of negatives, or you can choose to hold on to faith that God is good, and he will bring good even out of the not good things in your life. 
God promises you as his child that he will bring good out of everything. Everything. So we can choose to see the good in everything. The last thing that I've learned over the last little bit, and this is a lesson that I deeply learned in my soul, is that God doesn't want you to live in fear. God does not want you to live in fear, church. And I think that fear is one of the main tactics that the devil uses to get Christians off track. I looked up the word fear in the thesaurus this week, and underneath fear were these words, anxiety, despair, panic, worry, distress. Does that sound like the Christian life to you? Those words do not describe the life that Jesus died to give you. Fear will paralyze you and it grips you with unending what if questions. What if God doesn't answer my prayer? What if I'm never happy? What if this never ends? What if God doesn't heal me? What if God, what if this happens? What if, what if, what if? And the list just goes on and on and on. It's never ending. And we become trapped in fear. And after Lila was born, honestly, this is something that I really struggled with. I experienced fear and anxiety in a way that I never had experienced before. And I was just so gripped with fear, with the thought of Lila simply growing up in the world today. Because this world is crazy. It's a scary place. But I had to turn that fear into standing on God's truth that we can find in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Listen, fear does not come from the Lord. It does not come from the Lord. When I looked up fear in the thesaurus this week, you know, underneath is the antonyms, the opposite of fear. And it was words like confidence, faith, happy, boldness, joy. Those words adequately describe the life that Jesus died to give you. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live in freedom. And there are thousands of things that we could fear. The list is never ending. But listen, we worship the God that conquered sin and death. We worship the one true living God. And when you truly believe that God conquered sin and death, when you truly believe that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, in control of everything, 
What is there to fear? Everything that we face, when we know and believe that all of those things about God are true, everything that we face is small in comparison. It's small. As children of God, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Because ultimately, in the end, we win. We win, no matter what. No matter the hardships we face in this life, the difficult situations that we walk through, the heartbreak, in the end, we win. And that is the truth of God that we can stand upon. In closing today, being a mom, being responsible for a little tiny human is a big job. It's a great job, right? Children are a gift. And moms, you're a gift to your children. But being responsible for another person it makes you brutally aware of all of your shortcomings. True. Isn't that so true? And all of these life lessons that we talked about today, they really stem from a frustration of realizing that I'm not God. <laughs> I'm not God. I'm not in control of all things. And because I'm not God, I'm just not always going to get it right. Because I'm not God, I cannot guarantee that Lila will grow up and be happy and successful. I can't guarantee it. Because I'm not God, I can't raise my child perfectly. Because I'm not perfect. It's impossible. But God is not calling us to be perfect. He never asked us to be perfect. He never asked us to be the perfect parents. He only asked us to point them to the one who is perfect. And the more we realize, the more we're aware of our shortcomings, the more real God becomes. Because we see his truth filling in the gaps of everything that we lack. So even though I'm not perfect, I can lead her to a perfect Savior. You can show your children the steadfast love of God. And as you walk out your faith, as you stand confident in your imperfections, knowing that Jesus will fill the gap, you can know and trust that God loves your child more than you ever could. And we can stand on the truth of Deuteronomy 7, 9. It says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. This is my favorite part. And he lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him 
and obey his commands. If you choose to love God, if you choose to follow Jesus, this is your reality. A God who keeps his covenant with you. His promises are true yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he lavishes his love on you. Can we stand together today? You can just close your eyes in a personal moment between you and God. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're in Ahwatukee or you're joining us online and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. You've never made the decision to ask him into your heart and to follow him. And today you're saying, you know what? I want these truths, I want these promises to be a reality in my life too. So if you're here today and you wanna make that decision, can you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around, it's just a decision between you and God. I see your hand, thank you. And Awatuki, thank you for raising your hand. I see your hand, thank you. It's the best decision you could ever make to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful that you sent your son Jesus to live a perfect life so that we could be forgiven of our sin and enter into a relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you would come into our lives, that you would take away our sin and that from this day forward, we choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen.